When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast with me, your host, Louise Rumble, and the incredible Dr. Terry Mack, clinical psychologist and relationship expert, who is back here with me again. She is also a celebrity relationship expert. She has been on all kinds of TV shows and channels that I'm just like, that is so cool. Like, this woman is amazing. So when I started watching the Beckham documentary recently, when I heard about Maya Jama getting back with Stormzy, when there was just this sort of tide of infidelity, but people coming back together or people moving through it and people building through it, I thought we have to get into this. And I knew that Dr. Terry was the perfect person to join me on this discussion. And if you guys haven't watched the Beckham documentary, you should. I loved every second of it, truthfully. I mean, I think we're all having a bit of a Beckham moment at the moment. Like he is just gorge and cute and an incredible athlete. And he also has OCD. So I'm like, this would never be my man because like I am far too messy for David Beckham with him, like literally controlling every inch of his life with the cleanest kitchen I've ever seen. But one thing that did come out loosely in the documentary was the allegations of infidelity and affairs that have been all over the press for decades now. A lot of the things that, you know, might come up today, if we do talk about it in the context of them, will be alleged. There wasn't an explicit admission of guilt on his part, but there were some nods and leading signs to him being lonely his words and a lot of sad longing moments where we sort of were watching him process perhaps what he had done to his partner. But today, 20 years later, however long it's been, they are still together. They have a beautiful family and they are thriving from the outside. Of course, we have no idea what's really going on. We also then saw Maya Jama and Stormzy getting back together after a couple of years break as well. She went off, got engaged to someone else. They've come back together after it was alleged. 
that he was unfaithful too. Now today, we're not really going to be digging into the specifics of those relationships because who are we to really know what went on? And much like in any relationship, this is your own journey to navigate. There will be so many unique things to you and your partner and your history that we will never be able to answer with a one-size-fits-all solution. But Today we are talking to Dr. Terry Mack about why do some people stay and why do some people go? And then we are going to get into, if you're in the I want to stay camp, what do you have to do to be able to make it work like the Beckhams, for example? Today's episode is supported by our PDF guide called They Cheated, Should I Stay or Should I Go? And Dr. Terry takes you through every single thing that you would do in couples therapy. She gives you the step-by-step solution of how to work out if you can stay or ultimately if you need to leave. But where I really want to start today is Terry. Let's talk about why some people do make it through this, why some people might stay and why they might be able to make it work after infidelity. Yeah, I have seen this over and over again in my practice. Many couples decide to try to make it work after infidelity. In my opinion, sometimes that's a good decision. Sometimes for me, it's a questionable decision. But some of the common reasons I see that people decide to make it work after infidelity is one, you know, the spouse that was cheated on can't imagine being without her partner or his partner, a fear of being alone. Number two, another reason why people stay after infidelity is the sunken cost theory. Like I have invested so many years, so much time into this relationship. It's almost too late to end it now and move on and try to find another relationship. Of course, I disagree with this. I think a relationship is only worth saving if it's healthy, if it's thriving, if both people are committed to doing the work. But a lot of people choose to stay because they kind of feel like they don't have a choice or they don't want to give up on a relationship. Again, you know, we talk about this PDF that I created. There are very certain situations and parameters in which I've seen couples be able to move on from infidelity. And that's what I want people to understand. Some couples stay together after infidelity simply for the sake of the family or the kids. Again, is it better to stay together for the kids, even if the relationship is not strong, healthy, thriving, there's trust there? In my personal opinion, no, but that is a very common reason why people stick together after infidelity. Okay, let's talk about this concept of the sunken costs theory, because I think that if you are a 20 or a 30 something year old woman, or maybe even in your 40s, you might feel like you have to follow the timeline that society has put on you and do the things that either society has told you that you should do or that maybe truthfully you you want to do yourself. So I do think that, you know, with things like the biological clock and these societal pressures, that maybe that's another reason why people don't leave in this sunken cost theory. Do you think that would be fair to say? And is that something that you've seen in practice? Absolutely. I think the biological clock, the feeling like, all right, well, I'm married and now we're supposed to have kids or, you know, at this time in my life, I don't want to be single again. I think those fears definitely play into someone deciding to stay or go after infidelity for sure. And one thing I would say if someone in listening to this is in this situation, what I want to say is when we make decisions out of fear, 
So if somebody is choosing to stay in a relationship where there is infidelity or has been infidelity, because they're afraid of starting over, being alone, being lonely, think about where you might be in 10 years, 20 years, if you decide to stay in this relationship. If you are in a relationship where your partner has cheated more than once, it could happen again. And if there is no trust there, you will end up lonely, feeling alone in this relationship that you've decided to stay in. So I really encourage people, any person that I work with, never to make decisions out of fear. Because in those cases, we usually create the very thing that we are scared of. Yes. And I also want to ask you, do you think that sometimes post-infidelity, you can get so focused on the action, the betrayal, that when people are deciding whether to move forward in a relationship or not, they stop looking at all of the other things around them in terms of the behavior of that other person? And is this really when they should be not just looking at the betrayal, but also looking at the general health and state of the relationship and the other party? Yeah, I think you're right. Oftentimes when we find out we've been cheated on or betrayed, we get focused on who was it with, why, when, we want all the details. Sometimes we go into this competition mode where it's like these wounds in us get triggered. Like, was I not good enough? Was I, was there something wrong with me? Why did you choose this person over me? We go down this rabbit hole and you're right. We don't think about the relationship as a whole. And if there has been infidelity, there is likely been other issues in the relationship that has not been addressed or communicated about. So I think that's very common that the focus becomes the cheating. And what does it mean? Who is it with? What are all the details? Are they going to do it again? And we need to take a wider view because the cheating is often a symptom of something going on in the relationship. Yeah. And we've said on a previous podcast that, of course, there is never any excuse for cheating. A healthy individual would come to a partner before doing something like that and would say, look, this is what's going on. This is how I'm feeling. I feel really disconnected from you because of this or X, Y, and Z. And you would discuss and navigate that as a couple. Now, for the people that do rectify a relationship, that do move through infidelity, because you've taught me that there are a lot of people that do that, do you think it's fair to say that actually if the foundations that were broken can be rectified, then actually you can heal the relationship. And by doing that, you can heal the infidelity too. Yeah, I absolutely think that. And I think the couples that successfully move through infidelity are not just focused on rebuilding trust, but actually looking at the relationship as a whole. I always say after infidelity, you're starting the relationship over. The relationship kind of dies when there's infidelity, the old relationship. And in the new relationship, if a couple can focus on those foundations that maybe were weak or were not there, communication, emotional connection, trust, accountability, whatever those things are, that is how a couple rebuilds something stronger than they had before. I will also say, I think this is rare. A lot of people stay with partners who cheated without this kind of commitment to rebuild together. They stay for, in my opinion, reasons that are based in fear, right? But the couples that I have seen rebuild after infidelity absolutely are 
rebuilding a stronger relationship. They used that as a way to look at the relationship and figure out what needs to change. I think it's interesting how you've mentioned that it's basically a commitment as a partnership to move through it and to review the relationship. And what I took from that is that it really requires two self-aware people who are both willing to do the work forward, but also review what had happened backwards and how they had both contributed to it. So do you think it's also fair to say that the couples that move through infidelity successfully have two more invested or healthier or emotionally intelligent partners than it, perhaps it being only one person trying to lead the way? 100%. I mean, I was just talking to someone last week who reached out because she had been cheated on for the second time. And her boyfriend was trying to tell her, well, the reason I did that is I feel like you don't pay enough attention to me or, you know, we don't have sex often enough. And she was really wondering, like, wow, I need to be a better girlfriend. Do I need to be a better girlfriend? She was coming to me. And what I told her is if those things were actually true, a healthy partner would have communicated those with you and not cheated on you. So yes, two people need to be able to look at themselves, look at their relationship. The person who cheated needs to take full accountability for it and not be pointing the finger at his or her partner. So it takes two people. And you mentioned self-awareness. You met, I think you mentioned commitment to growth. Those things are necessary. And again, I don't see that a lot in couples where there's infidelity. And that's why I like to educate people on if you're going to stay with somebody who has been unfaithful, there are very certain things you need to look for in communication, in the rebuilding process, and even to decide to try to stay and rebuild. That's why I created this guide. When this woman reached out to me, I told her, like, get this guide. It is all laid out. Some people don't have thousands of dollars to work personally with a therapist. So you can go to this guide and get those answers. Because the truth is, nobody tells us this. When we get cheated on, we start to question everything. And from what I've seen clinically, there are very specific things that need to be present in a relationship and in the partner who cheated for there to be successful rebuilding afterward. That's one of the things that I love about the guide that you've created, because not only is it a step-by-step -step process through the 10 questions that you have to ask and you have to be able to say, yes, we can move through it because the answer to this question is yes. It's very clear step by step, but also you really help on the insight piece around the personality traits because what you cover in this guide is that there are some people that they will cheat again. It is part of their DNA. It is part of their personality. Maybe they have a personality disorder and ultimately you have to be able to determine, is this person going to do this to me again or not? And if you can't go to therapy, if you don't have the resources, how would you ever be able to know what you're looking for. And I love how you basically tell everyone in this guide exactly what they need to know. So I'm really grateful for you putting that together. And you also talk in the guide around beliefs around infidelity. So I want to ask you here why some people might stay if someone has cheated on them because of maybe they've seen infidelity in their childhood, for example, and they kind of have normalized it versus someone who's never seen it and has just seen it in the movies. That's like the worst thing that anyone could ever do. What's going on there? 
Yeah, well, like we've talked about so often on this podcast, our beliefs come from our experiences in childhood and beyond, but they're really cemented in childhood. So for people who grew up seeing infidelity, maybe in their parents' marriage, in the household, and how that was handled, right? If they saw someone in their family, mom or dad, tolerating infidelity, that has an impact. And they will be more likely sometimes to tolerate the same thing in their adult relationships. Alternatively, they could go the opposite way and say, no way, I'm not going to be like my mom or dad. I'm not going to put up with this. So it really does come down to the person, how they feel about infidelity, what they've come to believe about infidelity, how normalized it is in their mind, and what they feel they deserve. Some people actually feel like, well, nobody's perfect. So if this happens, it's not that big of a deal. They try to convince themselves, it's not that big of a deal. I can overlook this. I can move on. And in a lot of cases, it just gets buried. It doesn't get addressed. There's ripple effects based on that. I think it's really interesting what you said around how some people can take responsibility for it. And I think that is very dangerous because, as you said, there's really nothing that you could ever do as an individual that, you know, you deserve this or like that the other person should be allowed to do that because you were busy at work or because you weren't sleeping with them. You have no obligation to do these things. It's just part of a relationship is trying to have a commitment to do those things. So that's really interesting. And I also love what you said there around, you know, the infidelity in childhood. And that's what I call the magnet theory is like, whatever happened to you in childhood, you either pull towards it or you like turn the two ends of the magnet and you're like, fuck that. I am never like ever having anyone do that to me because I saw what it did to my mum. So I think that's really interesting. And I think that also leads us into why do some people go? And let's talk through some of these reasons why someone might just be like, nope, fuck this. I'm out versus someone who might be like, no, 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 no. Like, I need to make this work. Like, it's okay. We can work through this. I think one of the first reasons that people decide they will not tolerate infidelity or cheating and they leave is because they feel like it is deeply disrespectful. And they've already decided I will not be disrespected that way in any relationship I'm in. And, you know, in some ways, that's a really strong boundary. And Some people are like, I'm not even willing to ask the why, to look at the reasons, because it's just not something I want to tolerate. And I think that's valid because cheating behavior is an outlier behavior. It's not okay. There may be reasons. And again, both people have to be committed to understanding those reasons, looking at the relationship and then choosing to rebuild trust. But if somebody knows, you know what? I'm not going to be disrespected that way. It's already ruined. They leave. Now, what I want to ask you here might be difficult for people to hear the answer to. Those individuals who consider that to be deep disrespect and they leave straight away, would you say that it's more likely, without generalizing, that they may have higher self-esteem? And I know that there are so many reasons that people stay, but do you see in your practice that low self-esteem can lead to people staying? And high self-esteem can lead to people leaving. Yes, I think so. I would say high self-esteem leads somebody to have firmer boundaries, more clear boundaries about what they deserve, what they will tolerate. I will also say, along with that self-trust, 
really knowing themselves, trusting their feelings, their intuition, their boundaries, their needs. And people like this who have high levels of self-trust, high levels of self-esteem are less susceptible to manipulation, which means, you know, if somebody has bad behavior like cheating, they're not going to take responsibility for that, no matter how much that other person tries to twist it and turn it. And people without high levels of self-trust and who struggle with low levels of self-esteem are much more susceptible to being confused and taking on that responsibility and feeling like, well, maybe it is my fault. So yes, high self-esteem, high levels of self-trust are very protective factors in situations like this and in relationships in general. And also in life in general, I feel like the healthier that I get and the higher the the self-esteem I get when people do things to me or say things to me or treat me in a way that I actually don't think is okay, I used to take it personally. It used to really hit me in those deep core wounds inside of me. And now I just seem to feel like I'm able to see that person did that, but that's not a reflection of the truth of your being. And I've never been cheated on to my knowledge One time a boyfriend like hooked up with someone else whilst we were on a break and I lost my fucking shit when I found out. But truthfully, I just do not know if I could ever get over it. For the people that feel like they just can't get over it, what are your thoughts there? So there could be a few things going on here. One, if somebody just can't get over this betrayal or infidelity, I think they need to listen to that because- Our bodies will tell us what's in alignment with us and what isn't. So even if we really want to do the work and trust our partner again, and we've put in some work and our partner is showing up in all these ways that the PDF is laying out and we can't get over it first, it may just because we can't get over it. There's no way for us to find peace with that. There could be other things going on. Sometimes it's just because this isn't the relationship for us. This isn't the situation for us. Also, if the situation after the infidelity is not supporting our peace and keeps touching on whatever wounds we may have, whether that's trust wounds, abandonment, defectiveness, there's just going to be no way for us to move on because these wounds keep getting opened up by the situation of the relationship. So it could be both. It could be that a partner is really invested in rebuilding trust, you know, shows remorse, all of these things. But still there's something in us that is saying, I can't, I cannot accept this. I cannot make peace with this as much as I want to. And I want people listening to know that's okay. That's okay. And in the PDF, I even talk about that because in order to rebuild trust, both people have to be willing to eventually move on. And if one person can, if the person who was cheated on cannot, I think they just need to own that. And then the other piece is if the situation in the relationship, if the partner who cheated is not creating that safety and that healing environment for you to really heal and rebuild trust because of they're not making you feel safe because the wounding keeps coming up, it's not a good situation for you to be in either. Yeah, I love how you take people through that in the PDF to also understand that there's a fine balance between what the partner needs to be doing to lead and rebuild and to be directing the process, standing in line, following, 
but also the person that's been betrayed also has to be doing some work as well. But it's a fine line of who has to do the most work and how the pairs and the partners work together. And what I see around me often is that there might be like four to six weeks where a partner is really, really supportive and so sorry and so remorseful and so loving and so kind. And then all of a sudden they start to shift into that. You need to get over this now. Like, are we going to move forward or are we not? And that's also what you cover in the PDF is like what happens when that happens, because that must be very difficult. And really you should never have to feel like you have to get over it but also you do have to move forward at the same time. Now, another thing that I want to talk about is the longer you stay with someone, the longer you see the truth of their personality. So what is going on maybe when someone has stayed with someone for long enough that actually they make a decision like, yeah, I've seen the truth of you now. What can that truth be in the space of infidelity? So sometimes people cheat and it's a one-time thing. And then there are people who are repeat cheaters, serial cheaters. And there is a cluster of personality traits that go along with people who repeatedly cheat. And if you've been cheated on, this guide talks about things to ask, things to look for in your partner that may point to a personality of someone who may cheat on you. Lack of empathy, lack of remorse. If you stay with someone, chose to cheat, and they cheat again. This is now a pattern of behavior. Likely the first time they cheated, they were apologetic. Hopefully they were apologetic. They seemed remorseful. They said it would never happen again. If it happens again, you now understand that everything they said before was not true. The empathy, the remorse, the claims that you can trust them, those are proven to be false. And what I want people to understand and what this guide lays out is how do you tell the difference between somebody who has cheated and feels remorse and actually can be a healthy, trustworthy partner and someone who is likely to to do it again and probably more than once. And that's really what I want people to understand as well. Absolutely. And you have taught me there are different types of people and there are some that you can move through this with and you can make it through. Maybe the Beckhams are an example of that, but that there are also other people that are never going to meet you there, are never going to come on this journey with you because they're just going to keep being the person that they are. And talking about personality disorders and narcissistic personality disorder that we've discussed many times that increases the likelihood and the propensity for cheating because truthfully, they feel like they're entitled to do it. You're always the problem. They're never the one that has done anything wrong in this relationship. If you are with someone like that, if you are with someone that repeatedly disrespects for you, if you are with someone that tells you to get the fuck over it, are we still doing this? Why do you make such a big deal out of everything? You know, you're always the problem in this. I only did this because you did this and you did that and you still stay. What is going on there? Would you say at that point that you are or you have stepped into the boundaries of codependent relationships, trauma bonds, and generally even unhealthy and abusive relationships? What happens when someone just doesn't leave? All of those things you mentioned can be at play. But for sure, if somebody is repeatedly cheating on you, you're in an emotionally abusive relationship because they are demonstrating a repeated lack of respect for you, for your feelings, for the boundaries of trust in the relationship. For anyone listening who's in this situation, based on your own history, your own beliefs, your own feelings about yourself and what you deserve, 
I understand it may be really hard to think about leaving or to get up the courage to leave. But what I want you to know is it is not going to get better. It is only going to get worse. When you are in a relationship with somebody who shows a lack of respect for you, a lack of empathy for your feelings, and this doesn't mean that sometimes they're amazing and sometimes they say all the things you want to hear. Sometimes they do things that blatantly hurt you and disrespect you. That will never get better. The only thing that is going to make that stop is you setting boundaries and getting out of that relationship. Or you setting boundaries and then respecting them, which it sounds like in the sphere of the narcissist, they are not going to do because no one will ever be able to get them to adhere to boundaries because they don't think that they have to. And I think that's another thing that you cover in the PDF is like the specific personality types and disorders that are likely to repeat cheat and why that is. And you also document the cycle of the repeated cheater, like what happens in the pre-affair behavior, what happens in the affair behavior, and then there's the discovery and the reconciliation and then the post-affair behavior. And when you put it in these diagrams that we have in the PDF, it becomes so very clear how people get stuck in these cycles that just go round and round and round. So I love the diagrammatic elements to this. Now, another thing that I want to ask you is how difficult it must be to have been cheated on and have everyone around you having opinions, particularly friends, family, their family, your family. And I've seen it around me with a friend recently, she's going through this and her family are just not on board with them giving it another go. And it's very, very difficult for everyone. Yes. And that is one of the reasons I created this guide because people around you are going to have their own lens through which they see your relationship, the infidelity, their own opinions about what you should do. And I always say that friends and family give terrible dating and relationship advice because they don't know what your specific work is and they're very biased based on their own psychology and experience. So the guide is going to help you get very clear about what to look for and also redirect you to yourself. Because one of the questions we fail to ask ourselves a lot is, what is my truth here? How do I feel here? And if we're always looking externally, we're going to get all kinds of different input from people. And sometimes it just makes us more confused. So people are going to have their opinions. The only opinion that really matters is your own and then connecting to your truth. And that's a really important part of this process. Yeah. And as the final place to end today, I want to talk about this point about truth and objective reality, like what has actually happened. Because if you look at the Beckhams, everyone all over social media is just like, oh, they're so amazing. Their goals, like what a couple. And if you look at Maya Jammer and Stormzy getting back together, everyone in the UK, at least, because I know that the US are probably not familiar with them. Everyone's like obsessed with their love story. Like, oh, they finally got back together. He wrote all these songs about her, like, and then she went off and got engaged to someone else, like Ben Simmons, this NBA basketball player. But she came back to the UK and they finally got back together. It's so interesting how people are so enamored generally by the fairy tale love story. We see it with Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez. Like, so many people want Justin to be with Selena despite the fact that he's been married for five years, despite the fact that they both openly admit that they were in an abusive relationship. Do you think that the concept of the fairy tale, 
the hope, the attachment hunger, all of the Cinderella stories that we were sold when we were younger. Do you think that people need to learn to delineate between the hope that they have for the future rebuild versus the reality? And I think that might be one of my favorite questions I've ever asked you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. And a hundred percent because Oftentimes, as you're saying, we have this fantasy of what this relationship could be or who this person is that we're with. People around us can be telling the same story, have the same fantasy, but we need to be based in reality. We need to be focused on what has actually happened in the relationship. Needs are getting met in the relationship, how much safety is in the relationship, If we're on the same page as our partner, we need to be grounded in reality. And again, one of the prompts I ask people to use a lot is the truth is. So if you are wondering whether to move through infidelity, go back to your partner, stay with your partner if you've been cheated on, I encourage you to just start journaling and get in touch with whatever your truths are. And there may be multiple truths at the same time. So start with the prompt. So the truth is, I love this person. The truth is, I don't want to be without this person. The truth is, I don't know if I can ever move past this. Whatever those truths are, get in touch with them because the fantasy is not real. What's real is the present moment and what's happened in the relationship so far. Oh, yes. I love that. And you have this whole list of active like journaling questions in this PDF. I think it's actually four pages of questions because I think it's so hard to start journaling if you don't know what to answer or to have a prompt. And those prompts help people understand what was going on before the infidelity and what happened during the infidelity and what happened after and then look into the future. So I think that's really powerful. And I think that's the perfect place to end is that we all like the love story. We all want the Cinderella, Maya Jama, Stormzy, David Beckham. They came back together and it was happily ever after. We want that for everyone listening. We want your happily ever after. That's why we're here doing this. So you can step into the spaces of healthy, loving, incredible relationship. But you have to look at the reality. That person by doing that they broke the love story. They ruined the fantasy. And really the question is, is can you rebuild that together? Because they've dashed a lot of hopes and dreams and love and trust. And I think that the things we've gone through today have been so helpful to understand why some people stay, why some people leave, and really the moments that you shouldn't be staying, even though you want to, because that must be the hardest thing of all, right? Yeah. I think in reality, When we get cheated on, it's devastating. Nobody wants the relationship to end typically in my clinical experience. They don't want to leave this person. They don't want the relationship to end and accepting the reality that it has been ruined. (laughs) This fantasy, the love story has been broken is devastating and heartbreaking. But I really encourage people to accept that truth. And like you said, ask yourself, can we rebuild something healthy and safe here? And if not, am I strong enough to move on? Because I know that's what I deserve. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think the perfect place to wrap up and our hearts go out to anyone that is going through this, anyone that is hurting right now, I cannot even imagine. And actually this guide covers the journey of all of the 
hundreds of emotions that you feel when you go through this. So we're just sending you the biggest virtual hug and we're here to support you through this journey. And most of all, just know that you deserve to be loved and cherished and adored. And if your partner is not committing to that rebuild at every step of the way, please know that there is someone out there who would thank their lucky stars that you would step out of the bounds of the relationship you're currently in because boy oh boy you are the man or the woman that they have always dreamed of and they would never ever actively cause you pain so thank you so much terry i love you and i will see you so soon love you too louise bye